you listen to me. We all have a destiny. Nothing just happens. It's all part of a plan. I should have died out there with my men. But now, I'm nothing but a damn cripple. A legless freak. You cheated me. I had a destiny. I was supposed to die in the field with honor. That was my destiny. And you cheated me out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Gump? This wasn't supposed to happen. Not to me. I had a destiny. I was Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant Dan. Hi everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from uh, Forrest Gump, Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan Taylor. He has a has a destiny. You know what? Uh, I did that because uh, this week was Gary Sinise's 66th birthday. I'm gonna talk a little bit. I'm gonna talk a little about that and and uh, kind of some things that maybe you know, maybe you don't know about Gary Sinise that I know from uh, having met him and and just watching him and some observations that I've seen over the years. Uh, but before I get into that, and then also that uh, song was The Great White Hope from Styx. So it used to be the song I played every week until uh, till the law got involved. Um, but anyway, that's uh, we'll talk about that more as the, as the weeks go on. But uh, before I get into uh, the Gary Sinise story, let me introduce myself for those that don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting any, in, involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are still fantastic opportunities in real estate, uh, interest rates are still great, and uh, but they are going up. So your time of uh, procra- procrastination is over. If you need uh, financing, call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night. 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you don't want your neighbors at work to know, or you don't want me to know your voice until after you know that it's okay that I tell you, hey, no problem. Uh, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page, and you can just fill in all the information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear, from, hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. And we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show you want repeated, you can also go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this uh, this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, currently known as uh, Apple Podcast. And you can uh, subscribe for free and have it uh, download automatically to your uh, your computer, your iPhone, your iWatch, your iPad, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad. Anything you can listen to podcasts on, we uh, I record on Friday mornings, um, and then we upload Friday afternoon, and it'll download to your device sometime uh, Friday evening, and uh, you get it before it goes on the radio on Saturday. Uh, for those of you that like the podcast thing, um, if you uh, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ed Hoffman. All the other ones, uh, I'm at Big Ed Hoffman. All the parlors and and. Uh, uh, Cloud Hub and Gab and all the other ones that we don't really know which ones are going to be the, the ones that survive this thing. 
Um, and uh, the Facebook page is, of the show is uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, lastly, if you have comments on the show after this is over, feel free to uh, email me your comments to ed at eddehoffman.net. All right, so let's uh, let's get on with my story about uh, Gary Sinise. And I started thinking about this. My wife uh, reads the paper every day. She's not sure why we subscribe to it, except for all the newspapers are liberal. And uh, at least at least once a week, we're going to stop the subscription to this. Okay, what are you going to do every morning to, to read that you like to have your coffee and sit on the couch and read the paper? Um, but there's just no papers out there that aren't liberal. So, uh, but she, maybe the energy from getting mad at, the newspaper is healthy. Um, so um, she says, hey, it's your buddy's uh, It's your buddy's birthday today. And I go, which which of my buddies? She goes, Gary Sinise. And I said, how old is he? 66. And I thought of, I thought about Gary Sinise. Um, he's best known for his many films and TV roles, but most memorably being uh, Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. And uh, and I start thinking about about him and all he's done done for. Uh, for the veterans and the veterans causes, you know, he's been involved in supporting veterans since the 1970s and, uh, but more actively after nine 11. So, and obviously after nine, after 94, when Forrest Gump came out, he became more visible to everybody. Cause I, he was an actor before, but no one really caught on to him until after Forrest Gump. And then, you know, he did a bunch of other movies and of course the CIS New York, I think it is. So he founded the Gary Sinise Foundation 10 years ago in 2011, which serves all branches of the military and the U.S. installations domestically and abroad. Among its programs is the construction of specialty adapted smart homes for severely wounded veterans um, that are provided mortgage free. And I'll tell you about that um, in a second. And Sinise also leads the Lieutenant Dan Band, which has performed hundreds of hundreds of shows at military bases and war zones. So let me tell you a little bit about each one of these things as I, as I have experienced it. So I don't know exactly when I got politically intense in my life. You know, everyone's, I would say in 1992, I, I started paying really close attention. In 88 was my first, my first presidential election. I voted for, for Reagan after, you know, my, my first, my first years of driving, having to be in gas lines and watching what a, what a wimp Carter was. And I liked the way Reagan, Reagan handled things. And, but after nine 11, I really started paying attention the year later, year later, I used to compete in arm wrestling and my last arm wrestling tournament competition uh, was a pro tournament in New York city. And uh, for the most part, the trip cost me more than I would have gotten if I was in first place, but I'd never been to New York. So Don and I flew out to New York and we stayed um, at the wall street holiday Inn um, because the tournament was at the South seaport and uh, we checked into our hotel, and the first thing we did was walk to Ground Zero. And I will tell you, and then we went out, went down to the seaport, had dinner, came back, and walked back to to, to Ground Zero. And uh, first thing the next morning, the first thing we did is walk to a pizza joint and go down to Ground Zero. And I will tell you that that trip, and specifically Ground Zero, one year after the after the crash, was the most uh, emotional, patriotic experience ever in my life. And and I start thinking about all the guys who went over to, to fight and watching everything, everything that's going on. And I got, uh, and I got really, really, uh, supportive of the veterans charities. A few years later, my, uh, employees at uh, wholesale capital, they wanted to give me, cause I would do a big, a big award thing every year. And, and someone suggested, Hey, we should give Ed a thank you. And without my knowledge, I don't know how they were able to pull this off. They raised $28,500 in donations and donated it to the independence fund to provide track chairs for 
uh, for veterans uh, amputees. And uh, at our big annual event, they presented this big plaque and there's a big $28,000, $28,500 check that we presented to a uh, head of the independence fund. It was a great emotional experience and an honor to, uh, to do that. And I, I actually told my wife, told my wife, Hey, you know what, if someone had known, we could have, we could have made that donation bigger. And, and, uh, and Don said, don't worry, you donated. So at that event, Tommy Ryman uh, invited us to go to Lieutenant Dan Band weekend in Charleston, South Carolina. And in September, so this was in February, and he said, "Hey, come out, come. We're going to invite you to to be our guest at the Lieutenant Dan Van Weekend, which is the annual event." We went out there, we we landed, we got to the event, and there's just veterans everywhere, and uh, veterans everywhere, wheelchairs, walkers, everything. It was just there was food, and there was just everyone was happy, and they had a series of people playing music. And then Lieutenant Dan Band comes on. And if you've never seen the Lieutenant Dan Band, that is 90 minutes of the most patriotic 90 minutes of watching a cover band ever. And, uh, and I asked Tommy at the, at the event, I said, hey, can I meet Gary Sinise? And he said, sure, come on. And after the show was over, he took me backstage. And I went backstage and he introduced me and I said, hey, you know what, uh, I've, been, I've been a big supporter of of all these events. And every time my wife and I see you on TV giving away a house, I get on the, on the internet and try to contact someone and say, Hey, we want to build a house. I don't want to build a house, but I want to, I want to raise the money to donate a house to a veteran. And he goes, really? He goes, he goes, hold on. He calls uh, one of his, uh, his fundraiser uh, girls, uh, Brenda Solomon over. She goes, Hey Brenda, this is Ed and Don Hoffman. They've been trying to get in touch with somebody. And we got in bed with the Gary Sinise foundation and got on a, on a project. And, uh, and you know, I, I found from all all the guys, all the guys that have gotten smart homes from Gary Sneeze Foundation, they all know each other. I had talked to a guy in uh, South Carolina that had a smart home, and I said, "Well, you know, I I uh, I sponsored an event uh, for the uh, to promote the the house he did in Temecula, California, for that guy." And they go, "Oh, Juan Dominguez." You know, they, they all know each other. It's it's a it's a big family. They they're all involved. They all know Gary. That you know, it's not just hey, this big organization did something, and and I think about what we were doing with WCC charities and we raised a lot of money for boot campaign and for uh, Gary Sinise foundation. We actually donated a hundred thousand dollars for the, the money to, to do that smart home in San Diego for uh, uh, Andrew Botrell, uh, who we met shortly after that. And, uh, and they said, Hey, you know what? We paid $600,000 for the house and home Depot donates the flooring and this other company donates the windows and this other company donates the roof. And after all the donations, it's cost about $100,000 to actually put it together. And I said, okay, well, I, somehow I thought we could raise, raise all the money to do the whole project. Um, but I realized that's a bigger, a bigger project than I realized. So we went for the $100,000 and we donated it and, uh, for, the, for Andrew and his wife and his, uh, and his new daughter uh, to move into uh, down in Claremont, Mesa, San Diego. After that event, we've also been to several other, other Gary Sinise events, and I've had conversations with him several times. And you know what I see is what he did versus what WCC Charities did was he had a, he had a bigger outreach than I did because I don't have, obviously, I'm not in Forrest Gump, and I'm not a big uh, Hollywood movie star, but he was, and he used that notoriety to do something good for people. 
to do something good and raise money for veterans and get involved. When you see the Lieutenant Dan band, he's playing bass. He's not out in front trying to be the star other than the stories he tells at the end um, and just introducing some people. But he lets the singers and the other guys in the band get all the glory in it. Is a, and he has a great band and it's and it's a great show. And I've talked to him and he's just not full of himself. He's a humble guy like like all of us. And, you know, he's just out there doing something good. And it, it makes me think about uh, I had met uh, Rudy Rudiger uh, where he spoke at a spoke at a uh, event uh, one time, Rudy Rudiger of the movie Rudy. And uh, and Rudy said, hey, you know, what? I only paid, played 20. If you guys have seen the movie where he's he's a little guy and he's trying to he wants to play for Notre Dame and he could, gets on the crash dummy uh, squad to, to let the guys practice beating people up on him. And uh, he's trying to impress his dad. And he goes, hey, I played 27 seconds. If uh, if some guys didn't didn't hear the story and uh, hire the Hobbit, Sean Astin, to uh, to play me, you know, no one even know who I am. And and I talked to uh, I talked to him one on one the next morning for about 10 minutes. And I and I told him, I said, what I get from your story is that you're an ordinary guy who had an extraordinary experience. And somebody caught that one little that one little frame of your life and made and made a movie out of it. And he goes, yeah. If, and if you catch a, and if you catch a frame of everybody's life, there's a movie in it. There's a story in it. And you just gotta, you can't look, look up at people that are in the movies and think they're different than you because they're not. And I think about, I think about how Gary Sinise has used his platform for good versus all the rest of the Hollywood stars who, who use their platform to get out there and tell our young kids a bunch of BS about stuff they don't know, they don't understand. They just want to, hey, I'm a movie star. I get paid $20 million for six weeks of work, and you should listen to me because I know. Guess what? You don't. You don't know. Um, let's contrast that Gary Sinise with some, uh, just for this year, liberal celebrities who spout off their politics in an award show and contribute to nothing else. Here's Aaron Sorkin, the guy who wrote the, the screenplay for A Few Good Men, uh, The West Wing, American President. I like this guy's work, but he doesn't know crap about uh, about politics. And uh, he got his Golden Globe uh, last month for uh, directing the trial of the Chicago 7. The person he's quoting is an anti-war activist, Abby Hoffman, no relation, who is portrayed in the film. I don't always agree with everything the characters that I write uh, do or say. Uh, but here's something Abby said. Uh, democracy is not something you believe in or a place to hang your hat, but it's something you do. You participate. If you stop doing it, democracy crumbles. I don't need any more evidence than what happened on January 6th to agree with this. Thank you very, very much. You know, when he quoted Abby Hoffman, I agree with that whole quote. Then he started talking about himself. He started talking his own thoughts. I don't need any evidence other than January 6th. Just shut up. I wanted to say, hey, just shut up. We don't care about your politics. Because you don't know, you live a different life than what a, the rest of America does. You know, the, there's lots of millionaires in this in this country, and there's lots of people that aren't millionaires. And we get up get up in the morning, we put our put our shoes on one at a time, and we go to work, and we eat breakfast, and we have lunch, and we and we work till uh, till we're tired, and then we work some more. And the next day we come home, or that night we come home, we get beat up, we feel beat up. We we have dinner, we watch TV, and we fall asleep, and we get back up the next day and do it again. 
and we have some some victories in our life and we have some defeats and we make mistakes and we make some some good good choices and you know it's uh three steps forward and two steps back and three steps forward two steps back and slowly we move forward movie stars sports stars these guys don't live they don't live that same kind of life and they don't understand it so when you hear those people on people on tv well you know what uh magic johnson said this or uh tom brady said that they don't know they're not living the same american experience that the rest of the country is watch them play football and then turn it off it's kind of disgusting to me when i when i see it so anyway i've used up most of the first half for this let's go on and see if we can get some more stuff some more stuff what's going on but i wanted to give that tribute to uh gary sinise he's a great man he's a humble man um god has surely got a place for him in heaven for all he's done for so many people and he tells the story at his uh at his concerts about how he's connected through his family and uh through the and portraying a double amputee and you know there's a there's a great man that did that used his uh his notoriety for for great stuff to help veterans and uh and for those of you that don't know veterans that come home that still look all together have their legs and have their hands and have their arms and have their good looks but they still brought something home there's still skeletons in the closet they still have uh they still have the effects of having been to war you know what these people need our need our support and uh thank god for guys like uh like gary sinise and and many others that 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 give of themselves for people who gave of gave of themselves for our country and it's disgusting to see uh what's been allowed to happen in the last in the last uh five months and i hope some, I hope the rest of the country has the courage to stand up and turn it around. I'm, I'm trying to do my part and and raise awareness and keep uh and and keep the intensity up, so that me and many other people can get our whole country to rise up, and uh and fight for fight for our country, right here in our country. So anyway, let's go on. Let's go on to what's going on. I got about six minutes in the first half left, so let's talk about the stuff that's affecting our lives today. But Tribute, happy birthday, Gary Sinise, and uh, and uh, tribute to all, all he's done and all he does for uh, for our country. So let's talk about COVID now. After demanding that we're all socially distanced for six feet apart for the last year, and billions of dollars are being poured into spacing out kids in the classroom so they can start getting back to school, Dr. Tony Follow the Science Fauci is backing a new study that shows three feet apart is perfectly fine. Could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Exactly. Maybe uh, maybe not yesterday, maybe last year. This is based on a study of Massachusetts school children that concluded a social social distance of three feet apart is just as safe as six feet. That's if everyone's wearing their obedience mask, of course. This week, the CDC said it's considering so- changing social distancing guidelines based on that study. Uh, you know what? And you think about social distancing, three feet isn't social distancing. That's just respecting other people's space. If you're, if you're getting closer than, than three feet to me, you better be my wife. <clears throat> so let's go on. Uh, now, that follow the, now that science has led Fauci to conclude uh, he was wrong from the beginning, he's actually being held accountable by some in the media, and he appears completely unable to explain himself. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Case in point, this exchange with uh, CNN's Jake Tapper. There's this new study from researchers in Massachusetts just out this week it found no significant difference in coronavirus spreading in schools where there was six feet of distancing versus three feet of distancing. But that six-foot right. requirement 
that's one of the main hurdles to reopening schools. Right. Does this study suggest right. to you that and three feet is good enough? It does indeed. Yeah, he couldn't. He was trying to think of. He's trying to think of a some kind of a dignified comeback. Ran out of time and said, "It does indeed." You know what? Uh, I've said this before, but you realize that more kids in the last year have died of suicide than have died of COVID, and it's it's uh, it's the the silent death that we're imposing on our kids and our whole country to avoid a physical one. Say, so, you know what? If this is life. And and for you Christians out there, I, I ask I ask my fellow Christians if if God has a plan and everything's everything's part of a plan, then what are you worried about a what are you worried about a virus for? I will tell you that Don and I wear our mask only when we can't get in without it. So and uh, and and we're uh, we're doing just fine. So uh, Buck Sexton, a familiar a familiar face if you watch Fox or CNN, he said, "Oh, you thought six feet of social distancing was." some fancy super scientific thing they came up with. And after years of real world testing and experience, think again. It's amazing after they create this so they can do an all mail-in vote so they can steal the country back from the most successful president uh, in history. Uh, now they're trying to figure ways to, uh, to get themselves out of this tangled web that they wove. You know, it, it's a tangled web you weave when you choose to deceive. And uh, now, they're, now they're experiencing it. Meanwhile, NBC News says, that if you shower at the gym, you may do only with a mask on. This is from uh, NBC News. Uh, it's best to avoid showers if possible since you can't get masks wet. Otherwise, they lose their efficacy. If you need to shower at the gym, shower as quickly as possible, and you may only remove your mask when your face and head is going to get wet. Come on, man. What's that about? You know, hey, shower as fast as you can. Don't use soap. In fact, don't shower. That'll create social distancing. You know, and it makes me think about uh, Don and I uh, went up to Montana a couple a couple weeks ago or three weeks ago, and we stopped at a place in uh, Nevada, Walker, Nevada, cutting across by Mammoth over into Nevada to head up to uh, Montana. And uh, we stopped at uh, this casino because it said best burgers in town. So we said, okay, let's stop and get a burger. And uh, there's signs all over the casino that says, Mass must be worn except to take a drag on your cigarette or have a drink. Wait a minute. What is the effect of inhaling a cigarette smoke and then exhaling it, but you can't breathe on people? I don't know. Things that I see and just make me wonder. And here, here's a question. Now that people are getting vaccinated, why are, why are they still being told to wear masks? Testifying in a Senate committee hearing on Thursday, Dr. Fauci was called out by Rand Paul for wearing two masks despite being vaccinated, and it was glorious. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, you it's not. the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let, let's get down to the facts. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. Okay. You want people to get the vaccine? <clears throat> Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, let me just state Dr. for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective, and we you have immunity people. there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any sign. I, I totally disagree with you. Yeah, well, you can. Uh, he can totally disagree, but it's but it's the truth. 
And, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I'm all out of time for this uh, half the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of sports, weather, traffic, and commercials. And I'll be back with the rest of what's going on this week. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and financing on the radio because if you're not in the market or don't think you're in the market, it might be boring. But let me just give you a warning for those of you that haven't checked it out yet. Rates are starting to go up. So rates are still great. But if you've been thinking about, thinking about, thinking about getting ready to maybe call me and check it out, don't put it off any longer because I think we've seen the bottom and I don't think it's coming. I don't think it's coming back anytime soon. Uh, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the summit funding logo and do the cyber thing. All right. So, uh, uh, before the uh, break, we talked about Gary Sinise and we talked about the Dr. Fauci admitting that three feet spacing out is just as good as six is just as good as six feet. And that three feet, three feet of uh, social distancing really isn't social distancing. That's just uh, called being uh, courteous of your of your people. If you know, if if people, if the people you don't know are getting closer than three feet to you, maybe they need to explore their uh, their their courtesy and just hey, you know, if you're not my wife, you better not be that close. I think about uh, one of my neighbors who goes to the church I go to who hasn't put his hadn't had not put his uh uh their bodies in the uh in the church since they reopened and uh because of the fear of of covid and uh and he tells me he says hey i'm invincible go you are you're invincible is that because you uh have a relationship with god and jesus and uh and uh and whatever happens you're you're covered he goes no i got my second shot i'm two weeks after my second shot and I said, so that means I'm going to start seeing you at church now and live? He goes, oh, yeah, this Sunday. And then this Sunday comes along, and he's wearing a, a full-on N95 mask. And he's telling everybody, I'm invincible. Yeah, why are you wearing that mask then? I have to wonder. I see, I think, and then I uh, let my mouth move, and you guys get to listen. It seems like every week we're talking about what's going on at the southern border. Maybe if uh, Paul Ryan and uh, John McCain and some of the other uh, rhinos that were in when uh, in Trump's first two years when we had the House and the Senate and the White House maybe should have been more cooperative. We could have had that 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 wall completely built by the end of his term. Who would have thought he wouldn't have got reelected? Who would have thought that more people voted for uh, Mr. Magoo than uh, Donald Trump? Who really believes that they did? I don't. So let's talk about the migration. So top border patrol said. Uh, said officers are overwhelmed, yes, overwhelmed by the influx of of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border, a spiraling crisis that intensified this week when a gun battle between the cartel gangs broke out in a Texas town. Uh, A week ago, I would not have called this a crisis. Today, it meets the definition. We are overwhelmed, said Brandon Judd, president of the National Border, Border Patrol Council. I was thinking, the other guys were saying, oh, it's just a challenge, it's not a crisis yet. Hmm. 
Oh, that was Biden that was saying that and uh, our, our Secretary of Homeland Security. But the other Border Patrol guys were saying, yeah, we're in a crisis. Trump had it under control, but not anymore. A convention center in Dallas and an abandoned oil field in Midland are being turned into shelters for migrants who are teenage boys, or at least they think they're teenage boys. They say they're teenage boys. Uh, they might be 27 or 28 or 29. And uh, maybe they're not even boys unless they're pulling down their pants. How do they know they're teenage boys? Uh, they could be uh, girls or, uh, or, uh, or who knows? They could be cues. I don't know. As of March 14th, more than 4,000 migrant children were being held by the Border Patrol. Townhall.com reporter Julio Rosa says he's personally seen about 250 pe people a day crossing uh, the border. On Friday night, I counted 263 illegal immigrants crossing the Rio Grande and turning themselves into Border Patrol in the span of about three hours. Sunday night, it was about 239. Again, the same, crossing the Rio Grande and handing themselves over to Border Patrol. And the reason why is because they knew they weren't going to be deported right away uh, because either they were a family unit or they were unaccompanied minors, some as young as eight. And so right now we're seeing the consequence of the influx because uh, we, there's an administration in place that not only has open border rhetoric, but also open border policies in place. Yeah, you rem remember uh, about two months ago when the first surge came up and we played a little clip from that little guy said, hey, Joe Biden said we ha he's going to let us in for the first 100 days. We have 100 days to get there because Biden said so. Yeah, Biden didn't invite him up. He never said that. No, not at all. So uh, Joe Biden won't go, go to the border, but House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy did. And guess what, folks? We're letting in terrorists. It's not just people from Mexico or Honduras or El Salvador. They're now finding people from Yemen, Iran, Turkey. People on the, on the terrorist watch list they are catching. Yeah, and, uh, and notice, if you, uh, if you see a dark-skinned person that uh, could, be, could be Hispanic, could be, uh, could be Middle Eastern, you can't tell the difference. You know, you can tell if they, depending on the thickness of the beard, but, you know, if you shave off that beard... Shave off that beard. You might not even be able to tell if they're 17 or if they're 37, if they're young looking and don't have any gray hairs coming in. Uh, the story, according according to Axios, four, four foreign nationals whose names match those on the terror watch list have been stopped trying to enter the U.S. via the southern border uh, since October. Um, since October. There were three migrants from Yemen, one from Serbia. The first one to cross since Biden became president was Serbian national who was caught by the border patrol on January 28th. Uh, that, I, let me just, let me just add to this story. First caught. There's a big difference between the first caught and the first one to, cr to cross the border. It's like, Hey, you know what? Uh, you go to the judge and Hey, you know what? This is my first offense. I've never broken the law before, or at least I have never been caught by uh, breaking the law. You never caught me before, so this is my first defense. I did made one little mistake. <clears throat> or you talk to your kids. I can't believe you did it. Well, I never did it before. This is the first time I made a mistake. Don't don't ground me. Don't take away my my iPhone. Don't take away my my uh, my my uh, Xbox. I never did it before, and I just made this one mistake. I'll never do it again. Yeah, I was a teenager once. <clears throat> I said the same thing to my parents. Of course, I didn't have an Xbox, and uh, they didn't buy my BS either. Um, I was able to get some buy things by them after I became a young young adult still living at home. Uh, but I won't go into that right now because my kids might be listening. 
So, uh, so even some, li- some media liberals are starting to hold Joe Biden responsible. This week it was George Stephanopoulos. A lot of the migrants coming in saying they're coming in because you promised to make things better. It seems to be getting worse by the day. Was it a mistake not to anticipate this surge? First of all, there was a surge the last two years in, in, in 19 and 20, there was a surge as well. This I'm, one might be worse. No, well, it could be, but here's the deal. We're sending back people to, for, for, first of all, the idea that Joe Biden said come, because I, I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy and I won't do what Trump They're this. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Okay, enough said. Good enough for me. Sounds like a scene from uh, Back to School. I think Mr. Mellon should be expelled. What are you going to do about it? Well, Porton, I'm only going to ask you this one time. Is the work that you turned in your own? I can't lie to you, Dean Martin. Yes, it is. I'm satisfied. Okay, enough said. Let me just point out a couple of things. There was a surge in 19 and 20, the last two years of the Trump administration. Wrong. There was a surge in 17 and 18, which were the first two years of the Trump administration. Remember big caravans coming from uh, Honduras all the way up through? And what did Trump do about it? He called the, 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 the leaders of Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador and Mexico and said, hey, you guys got to stop it. If you, guys don't, if you guys don't participate in stopping this thing, there's not going to be any aid money going to your countries. And guess what? When the, when the money tree dies, everything changes. Everything changes. So the, uh, uh, all of a sudden, we created the stay in Mexico, wait in Mexico policy. So people that got to the border, people that got to the border, hey, check in, and then you stay in Mexico till it's your time to, be, uh, to have your hearing. Not in the United States where you just roam and never show back up. Um, and you know what? Trump had Trump had it under control, and everything that comes out of uh, Joe Biden's mouth is BS. He doesn't know what it is. Well, just say no. It's not. They're not coming up because of me. Stephanopoulos then asked Biden if he would tell the immigrants quite clearly that they shouldn't come over. Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. We're in the process of getting set up. Don't leave your town or city or community. Yep, he said it. So hopefully, hopefully everybody in uh, in Central America and Mexico um, actually uh, actually heard that heard was watching George Stephanopoulos uh, interview when he did that because I wasn't because I was working and uh, so and hopefully specifically they heard that one eight second bite. Let's play that one again. Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. We're in the process of getting set up. Don't leave your town or city or community. So hopefully that gives all the all the illegal immigrants and all the people in uh, that haven't gone that are listening to the main event from uh, Honduras and Guatemala or maybe on podcast. I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, this is the same Joe Biden who said during the primary debates this. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. 
Yeah, did he just say they should immediately surge? I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. Hmm, I don't think they're surging because Biden told him to come. Maybe play that one more time. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. Yeah, maybe he did tell him to come. And, of course, uh, all those Mr. Biden, President Biden, please let us in shirts. I don't know who printed those things and how they got up to every one of them uh, up here. But uh, it just appears that his name's right on their shirt. Uh, you know, they said two months ago he told them they had 100 days and it's about we're about 60 days in. Uh, and, of course, we have that quote right there. Hey, they should immediately surge. They have a right to be heard. They have a right to be heard if they're American citizens and they have rights. Guess what? The the rights of American citizens aren't rights of everybody else in the country. That's not who we are, man. That's not who we are. That's not who they are. They're not American citizens. They have to obey the laws of their country. Because you know what? If uh, if the people in uh, in the Middle East say that we have to obey Sharia law because, hey, they have a right to have Sharia law and you know, uh, if you and all the stuff that goes with that, I won't go into all the details, but you know, I don't want to live by that, and I shouldn't have a right a right to, and nobody else should have a right to bring it here either. So anyway, okay, that's not who we are. You know what? That's what uh, that's what the former uh, the former president was saying, and that's why we're in the why our country got out all out of whack in the first place. Hey man, that's not who we are. Now, uh, now Biden stepped up to the plate. He's saying the same stuff. So anyway, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the one point nine trillion dollar rescue plan that was passed um, last week or the week before, and we're still being told how popular it is with the American people. And uh, and if that's the case, then why did Biden and Kamala Harris and their spouses go on an ambitious cross country tour to promote it this week? Uh, I think it was more of a day trip than a cross country trip, but apparently they got as far as Las Vegas. It's an endeavor that the White House is calling Help Is Here Tour. And the people roared. They're so happy that Help Is Here. You know what? And you know what? It's amazing. It's amazing. I'll tell you a story in a couple of minutes. It began Monday with Kamala Harris heading to COVID vaccination site and for some reason, a culinary school in Las Vegas. Here's a reporter asking her a question. Uh, we're all thinking, if the bill is so popular, why are you still selling it? The White House has said repeatedly that, that this is a very popular law. If that's the case, why is it important to get out and sell it? It's not selling it. It's literally letting people know their rights, right? It's, it's kind of like you... Um, you buy a product, you've already been sold on the product, but you need some directions on the box. Think of it more as a public education campaign. Yeah, does this sound like a, a scene from uh, the movie Dave? You're spending $47 million on an ad campaign to boost consumer confidence in the American auto industry. Yes, sir. Uh, well, you see, it's designed to bolster individual uh, confidence in a previous domestic automotive purchase. So we're spending $47 million so that somebody can feel better about a car that they've already bought? Yes, sir, but I wouldn't characterize that way. No, no, I'm sure that's important, but I don't want to tell some eight-year-old kid that he's got to sleep in the street because we want people to feel better about their car. 
Nah, I don't think so either. You know what? Let's uh, go on. I don't know. You know, no, you know how much how much money it costs to fly Air Force One around? $180,000 an hour. So, and that doesn't, and I'm not sure that that in, includes the the second Air Force One that follows it with the with the limos and all the other things, but it's $180,000 an hour and we're going to sell it. Hey, we got to give you the instructions on the box. Why don't you guys just show everybody the bill? I don't know because you have to pass it before you can read what's in it. So uh, let so let's use our brains and think about why the administration is still selling this plan. Could it be that they know they're going to have to raise taxes soon because that's the only way to make up for the massive deficit increase that's just created? So let me just tell you tell you a little bit about who's getting this stuff and how how stupid this is. Um, last year, last year at the first COVID relief. Um, I got a check for $2,400. I can tell you, I make more than $75,000 a year. And, uh, you know, me and my wife make more than $150,000 a year between us. And we are not hurting in any way, shape or form, but they sent us 2,400 bucks. And if you, uh, and if, if you noticed on Facebook, I actually, I actually put it out there and said, Hey, I'm not participating in this. And I, and I just wrote it over to the church said, I'm not participating in this. And I got a uh, I got a letter from the IRS in December saying something about the uh, the relief checks, and I'm going and I just kind of saw it. It was just a form letter they sent to everybody, and I just threw it away. And I I start thinking about that. Hmm. I start watching the mail, and they did it again. I didn't see it in the mail, but then I heard somebody said they already got a direct deposit into their bank account. So I went back a couple of weeks ago, and I said they deposited twelve hundred bucks more into my bank account. On January 4th, I didn't even notice it. And I'm going, not participating. So I donated it to Operation Underground Railroad, which is an organization that uh, goes and rescues these kids. Uh, it's a, a, some former, some former uh, Navy SEALs and Army Rangers. And they, they work with these other countries to take all these kids that got kidnapped so they can use them as sex slaves. And they go bring them back. And, I, and we talked about that a few weeks ago about this organization. So we just put that $1,200 there. And what happened on uh, St. Patty's Day? 2,800 more. Okay, you know what? I know some of you need it and, you know, use it. Use it and, uh, and uh, in, enjoy it. And our country should help people that need, that can't do for themselves. We, do, we, we help people that can't do for themselves. But there's a lot of people out there that can do for themselves and don't need that. And that's costing us all more taxes. And who's going to pay this $1.9 trillion? It's going to be our kids and our grandkids because it's not going to get paid back in our lifetime. And how's that going to get paid back? Well, tax dollars. And how do you pay? How do you create more tax dollars? Well, if you're, if you're, a, uh, if you're a capitalist and you believe in trickle-down economics, you realize that the whole concept of, of uh, cutting taxes like Trump did, you cut taxes to the corporations and the, and the high earners. And that gives them encouragement to create more jobs. And for the people that are at the bottom that don't get, that don't pay taxes, which is about 48% of the whole country. Um, Cause it will say, Hey, I get taxes taken out of my check. Yeah. You get them taken out of your check. And then at the end of the year you have paid in 3000 and they send you a $6,000 check back. You're not paying taxes. So, uh, and if you're under, if you're under about 75,000, you probably don't pay any taxes at all. So, the concept, the concept of lowering taxes is to create more jobs, 
you know, you think about the big corporations, they've got all these profits and what is the, what is their motivation to, to expand with the progressive, progressive tax system where the more money you make, the bigger chunk they get. So a lot of these companies go, well, we got all this profit, but if we get any bigger, we don't get to keep any of the money because it just goes, our tax rate just goes up and we have to pay it back, pay it back to the, to the government. So they just don't get any bigger. Trump lowers those taxes and puts some incentives out there to, uh, to help them grow. And what do they do? They grew, created more jobs. So, Hey, but I didn't, I, I don't pay any taxes. So how, how does that help me? It helps you. Cause now you've got a company offering you a job. And for those of you that have minimum wage jobs that offered opportunities to get into a higher than minimum wage job and get promotions and say, Hey, I'm at the bottom of the ladder at this place, but they opened up another, uh, Amazon warehouse five, five miles away. And they're giving me a supervisor position. And that's how, that's how the economy works, folks. You stop, you get the government away and let private industry create jobs. And I've said this about eh, 400 million times in the last 14 years I've been on the radio. So, so that's, that's how that thing works. But what happens now? We're going to raise taxes on everybody who, who, makes, who makes money and creates jobs. And what's that going to do? It's going to remove jobs. So what does that do? We got we to gotta tax somebody at 50, 60, 70%. And those other people that those other people that don't pay taxes, those jobs are going to go away. So they're going to be living on unemployment, government hands out. This is step one towards moving to socialism. Pay attention, folks, and make sure your kids are paying attention because the kids that are going to college, this is what they're teaching them. They're not teaching them about how uh, how Lincoln uh, uh, passed the Thirteenth Amendment to free the slaves, or how the Fourteenth Amendment gave the the slaves rights to vote. They don't teach them about everything that this, that came out of history and all how history made America great. We had some problems and we corrected them ourselves and and America is what it is because of that we want to erase history. We want to erase history and we want to listen to to movie stars get up there and tell us why America's bad. How it hurt other people and we're so bad to black people and Hispanic people and and women and everybody else. Nobody's responsible for, for anything for their own lives anymore if you listen to them. So pay attention to what's going on and don't listen to Nancy Pelosi. Don't uh, listen to Nancy Pelosi and everybody uh, telling you uh, how they're making America great. They're not. They're just making America dependent. You know, I talk about uh, up in Mammoth, they have these stickers that says, please don't feed our bears. I say, does that mean the people of Mammoth Lakes, California, don't care about bears? No, it's because they care about bears. And if people put out food for them, they lose their ability to hunt and find food for themselves. They care about the bears, and that's why they don't give them free food. Let them do things the way nature intended it. So anyway, there's a, there's a moment of clarity. Let me, let's go on. On Monday, uh, Jen Psaki said Biden is still committed to his campaign pledge not to raise taxes on anyone earning less than $400,000. What does that do? That means everybody who makes more than $400,000 is going to stop being productive when they get to that point every year. Well, should I open up some more, uh, some more spaces? No, then, I'm, then my tax rate's going to go up. Should I work harder to, to, to make more money and do more good for, for other people? No, because then I get over $400,000 and the government just takes it. That's how people think. Cause and effect, guys. Don't penalize people for being, for being more successful. Appearing on This Week ABC on Sunday, another George Stephanopoulos show, new Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen partially admitted that the so-called wealth tax is being discussed. 
he has proposed um, that corporations and wealthy individuals should pay more. But no wealth tax? Well, that's something that we haven't decided yet and um, can look at. Yeah, do you know what that means, boys and girls? That means all that money that you've accumulated, all that estate that you already paid taxes on, we're we're discussing whether we're going to tax that too. Amazing! It's it's just amazing. It's just amazing to me. And you and you listen to Janet Yellen talk. Does she sound like the sharpest tool in the shed? She's about as sharp as Joe Biden is. Is these the people that we pick to run our country? Come on, man. We should have the brightest and smartest people in the in the country to the to to run our country. People that that think outside the box. People that see things clearly. That don't just say stuff because it's what everybody wants to hear. Hey, you know, all the people that are poor want to hear free money. Anyway, I'm a lot of time for this episode of the main event. Folks, keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Keep your brain working because there's something not right in this country and we need to turn it around and we need to think about it. And I, maybe I don't have the answer, but maybe you do and you need to, and you need to, you need to say something. Hey, my name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week.